Four down, two to go. Here come the Vikings. Blue 58, hit, hit. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58. I'm John Meerdink, your host, joined by a friend of the program, Gary Zillavy. Gary, how we doing? It's a great day to be great. Good to have you along with, uh, with us today. Let's jump right into the headlines. First one, not actually a headline, just a question, an open-ended question. Why won't Bob McGinn say that Aaron Rodgers is clutch? Three opportunities to do so this week, and he has declined it every single time. First, you have his game story from the last second win over the Bears on Sunday. Here's one quote from the start of the piece. One deadly heave, one cold-blooded catch, one clutch kick. From Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson to Mason Crosby, the Green Bay Packers sustained their playoff hopes in the final minute Sunday at Icy Soldier Field with an enthralling 30-27 victory over the Chicago Bears. Now that's not that notable, except if you remember how he started his piece when the Packers lost to the Atlanta Falcons. Gary, off the top of your head, do you remember what he said about Aaron Rodgers in that particular piece? Aaron Rodgers is not clutch. More or less, that's what it came down to. I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but basically it came down to the fact that Aaron Rodgers had 30-some seconds to win a game-winning drive or put together a game-winning drive, and he failed to do so. But maybe McGinn comes around in his rating the Packers column that he does every week. Here's how he described Aaron Rodgers' performance against the Chicago Bears. Starting the quote, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have many game-winning drives on his resume. He was 0-for-2 this season. Also, his deep ball accuracy in the first two months of the season was spotty at best. Okay. Rodgers killed two birds with one stone with the 60-yard home run ball that he dropped into Nelson's hands to set up the decisive field goal. I think that's about as low-key as you can make a 60-yard game-winning pass sound. I don't know about you, Gary. <laughs> yeah, if it isn't, I'd like to see what's more. Finally... Bob McGinn hosted a chat a chat for PackersNews.com or the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. They're the same thing now uh, today, he, the online chat thing that they like to do. Answering a question if he'd like to take back anything he said about Aaron Rodgers earlier this season, specifically whether he thought Aaron Rodgers was bound for the Hall of Fame. So earlier this season, Bob McGinn said, uh, that he wanted people to stop saying that Aaron Rodgers was a lock for Canton. Uh, a, uh, not a caller, a reader asked if he'd like to take that back. And McGinn says, as for Hall of Fame, I wrote then, Rodgers is close to securing a bust in Canton, but to clinch a berth, he must get out of this tailspin and reach at least another Super Bowl. Knowing what I knew then, I wouldn't change anything in that column. Gary, how's that grab you? <laughs> What's the difference between Aaron Rodgers' career resume and Brett Favre's career resume right now? Uh, about half an MVP award, because Favre had three, but he, he was co-MVPs with Barry Sanders one season. Other than that, they're the same. Two Super Bowl appearances, well, one Super Bowl win, not two Super Bowl appearances, I guess. If Rodgers gets to another Super Bowl, he'll be even with Favre, but he's been to almost as many NFC Championship games already. If we're going to put Kurt Warner in the Hall of Fame, uh, I think it's it's an absolute travesty that you need Rodgers to do anything more than he has right now. I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I guess technically Warner did have three Super Bowl appearances, Rodgers just the one. But really, Rodgers can't be faulted for missing at least one other Super Bowl appearance. I mean, if, the, if he'd have summoned one more touchdown in that 2014 NFC Championship game, they'd have gotten there. But... 
Also, if Brandon Bostic catches the onside kick, they get there too. So no, I'd say I that's a watch. About that game. I hate yeah, talking about that game. Let's move let's on. Let's move on to something more happy. Uh, that is that Rodgers, along with TJ Lang and HaHa Clinton Dix, will be headed to the Pro Bowl. Well, they've been voted to the Pro Bowl. Rodgers says specifically he's not going to go. Uh, but f- from PackersNews.com, uh, these three elected to, at least in two cases there, their first Pro Bowl. Uh, here's what Tom Silverstein had to say. Rodgers moved a step closer to catching quarterback Brett Favre's franchise record nine selections for a quarterback. Lang has been an alternate the last two years. He's the first Packers lineman to be picked since guard Josh Sitton in 2014. And Clinton Dix is the first Packers safety to be selected since Nick Collins in 2010. A couple alternates for the Packers as well. Devontae Adams, Mike Daniels, and Aaron Ripkowski. Any snubs jumping out to you here, Gary? Uh, I think Matthew Stafford not making it um, and Aaron Rodgers making it is a little interesting considering when the voting would have happened. I'm not sure Rodgers was in a position better than Stafford. Um, But as far as the Packers are concerned, maybe Jordy Nelson, um, David Bakhtiari over TJ Lang would have been nice. Um, And, and of course, Kyle or Fackrell. Yeah, of course. I I don't know why he's not in one of the great rookie seasons ever. What do you think, John? What do you got? Who are your snubs? Uh, I was actually, maybe not a snub, but just surprised that HaHa Clinton Dix got in. His best two games have been, what, the last three? Uh, Most of his interceptions have come in the last three or four weeks here. It's hard to really judge safety play unless you're looking at every single play, the the sort of all-22 stuff. Even then, I don't know how you really differentiate safety play at the the ultra-high end, which is what pro bowlers are supposed to be. Like you, I thought David Bakhtiari had as good a case as anybody. And I am, like you, surprised that Aaron Rodgers gets in. I think one way to look at it is kind of getting in on scholarship. Um, all of these all-star games, you have guys every single year who don't really quote unquote deserve it, whatever that means. Um, but I'm not sure Rogers based on his first half of the season would be one of the guys who deserves to get in. Uh, moving on to the next headline, uh, deserve or not the Packers staring down the barrel of a playoff berth here. They technically could lock one up this very weekend. Through a very, very elaborate seven-step process as detailed by Ryan Wood, writing for PackersNews.com. So here's the seven steps we got to have here. One, the Packers got to win against Minnesota. That's going to be the step to every scenario between here and the end of the season. They have to have Tampa Bay lose to New Orleans. Washington's got to lose to Chicago. Atlanta has to beat Carolina. Denver has to beat Kansas City. Detroit has to beat Dallas and Houston has to beat Cincinnati. Gary, you set this up as a seven-part parlay gamble. What do you like <laughs> as the odds here? I like to call this the Lloyd Christmas, so you're telling me there's a chance parlay here. Um, I, I got. I, I guess you look at these games in three in three kind of categories. A risky, meaning hey, it's risky if that if that's going to turn off. Uh, possible. Uh, and probable. So let's let's run through those seven again. So we have first one Packers defeating the Vikings. Uh, I think that's probable. 
a little homerism there, but I say probable. Uh, Second, we've got Tampa Bay at New Orleans, and we need Tampa Bay to lose. So New Orleans winning at home, I think that's possible. New Orleans is always a tough out at home. Washington losing at Chicago. We certainly saw Matt Barkley last week had a pretty nice game. Uh, I think that's risky considering uh, what Washington has in front of them and the Bears coming off uh, a close loss against a rival. Now, fourth, Atlanta winning at Carolina. Uh, I think that's I think that's probable. I, I think Atlanta's a, a better team than, than a lot of people give them credit for. Uh, fifth, Denver, Kansas City. We need Denver to win there. Uh, that's a possible for me. Detroit at Dallas. Uh, we need Detroit to win. That's really risky. I just don't see Dallas losing down the stretch. I think they finish 14-2. and two. And finally, Houston winning versus Cincinnati, uh, I have as is, is possible. Um, you know, Cincinnati's got a lot to play for. Um, not not necessarily a playoff, but uh, is Houston going to start Tom Savage? Are they going to start Brock Osweiler? They're just a, a hot a hot mess right now. So uh, there you have it. There's the seven-game uh, Lloyd Christmas special. So uh, call your bookie and uh, let's split the winnings. Yeah, I, uh, if you throw five bucks on those seven games, I think you turned it into at least – Six or seven, right? <laughs> I don't know how gambling works. I've never done this. <laughs> yep. You know, I get a little bit tired of all the, the playoff scenario stuff. Just embrace Al Davis. Just win, baby. Just just win. That's all you have to do. Just win games, win this week, win next week. Then you're in the playoffs for sure. And hosting a game to boot. Here's a question for you. Do you want the Packers to host a playoff game this year? Uh, I, I mean, I hate to, to kind of spin it forward, but if they do, it would most likely be against the New York giants, um, which there's a lot of very rough history of the New York giants recently coming into Lambeau field. Uh, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, home playoff game, Lambeau field. I mean, maybe, maybe Devonte Adams drops another touchdown, but otherwise I, I think we're in pretty good shape there. What do you think, John? Uh, I would love to host a playoff game versus about any number of teams except the Giants. Uh, I think the Packers match up pretty well with about everyone else. The Giants scare me a little bit. They rush the passer really well, and they cover really well. The Packers, I think, a little bit different team now than when they played the Giants the first time around, and the Giants a much different team. Their defense playing playing a lot better than the last time they matched up with the Packers. I wouldn't want to see them coming to Lambeau Field. I think everyone else in the playoff field or looking to get into the playoff field right now has some flaws that I think the Packers could take advantage of, but I think the Giants match up with them pretty well. That said, I thought the Seattle Seahawks matched up with the Packers pretty well, and we both turned out to be pretty wrong there. So who knows? Uh, I just want to see the Packers in the playoffs, so hopefully they take care of business this weekend, next weekend, and just, just get in. To do so, we're going to need a big effort from one of the rising stars on this Packers team, perhaps the biggest blossoming star on this year's Packers team, and that would be Ty Montgomery. What do we make of Ty Montgomery? What do we do with him going forward? Gary and I are going to take a look at that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about a new feature on thepowersweep.com. We are getting people, hopefully, to sign up for our brand new email list. If you sign up at thepowersweep.com, you'll get a notification every time a new post goes live at thepowersweep.com. That'll help you stay on top of 
podcasts on the stuff that we're doing on the site and some of the stuff that Gary and I are doing with our partners over at acnepackingcompany.com. So head over to thepowersweep.com, enter your name, your email address, click submit, and you're done. That's all it takes for you to be a smarter, better fan of the Green Bay Packers, courtesy of thepowersweep.com. All right, let's talk Ty Montgomery. So this young man out of Stanford, Ty Montgomery, a draft pick of the Packers last year, came to the team as a wide receiver, is now fully, completely a running back. Uh, Had 161 yards against the Chicago Bears on Sunday. Now seems installed as the full-time lead back for the Green Bay Packers, a move that I'm not sure anybody could have expected at the start of the season. Kind of open-ended here, Gary, but what do you think of Ty Montgomery? What is he to you? Uh, to me, he was, before this season, a really promising slot receiver. Uh, I thought he looked like a little bit of a Randall Cobb uh, from the mold of Randall Cobb. Uh, I guess I anticipated him getting a couple of backfield touches, kind of like Cobb, but holy cow, is he a lot better at that than I had ever dreamt. And based on how long it took for the Packers to move him back there, maybe them, maybe they're not, maybe I'm not alone in that thought. Now, I, I think he's, I think he's an integral part to this offense and certainly uh, kind of filling a James Starks 2010-esque late season running back role. Um, but that's what I make a tie. What do you what do you think, John? Much like you, I thought he was a more muscular version of Randall Cobb ever since he was drafted. I mean, they've got pretty similar physical attributes. Montgomery is a little bit bigger. Uh, he weighs quite a bit more. He's an inch or two taller, depending on whose measurements of Randall Cobb you believe. Uh, but he just kind of looked like that beefy slot receiver type guy, quick in and out of his cuts, good in space. Not really sure what they were going to do with him beyond that, maybe have him return some kicks. But he's been a revelation as a runner. I have been absolutely shocked to see how well he can run at his very best. My question is, what do you do with him? Uh, the guys at Pro Football Focus have been banging the drum for the Packers to give him the ball more, and we can dive into that in a second. Uh, but I'm not sure that a six-foot-tall converted wide receiver is the kind of running back that the Packers want to be giving the ball to 20 to 25 times a game, at least running between the tackles. I have a hard time seeing him as sort of that Eddie Lacy pounding type and obviously is a, a significantly different body type than Lacy, but maybe combined with somebody like Kristen Michael, you have something there in a one-two rushing punch. I think he gives him a much different look than, than James Starks, and it's interesting to see him uh, used as a receiver and a runner. Um, what do you know about the ways that they've been using him so far this season? I'm setting you up here because I'm not sure what, what you've prepared, but I got something that I, that I want to <laughs> dive into here. Sure. So uh, I think my biggest point with, with Ty is is how the Packers have have tried to use him. So if you think back to, to last week's game, there was a situation where uh, they were on the goal line. This would have been uh, the, the, the series before Montgomery's second touchdown of the day where uh, the Packers had, had gotten to the one-yard line or thereabouts and uh, lined up in that 
typical jumbo set and Montgomery um, was given the ball uh, out of a full house set and, and couldn't really do much was, was swallowed up pretty quickly. The next play or maybe thereabouts green Bay spread the field out, put, put their receivers back on the field, handed it to Montgomery um, and, and he, and he walked right in. Uh, and I think that that is a little microcosm of, of how the Packers have used him is a nice way of, of, Perhaps he's the best complimentary back to this Packers offense that we could hope for because so much of Mike McCarthy's offense, you know, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers has been uh, spreading it out, putting as many skill position players on the field, um, you know, not necessarily been a, an offense built around tight ends. And Montgomery's skill set seems to complement the Packers best when they have a number of wide receivers out on the field and they're uh, they're spreading the defense out. I completely agree. I love to see or I love what I'm seeing from the Packers in their pistol offense sort of setup. And I think Ty Montgomery is the perfect kind of back, and he is a back now, for the pistol offense. I like the pistol because it's a sort of a, a great great way to have it have it all both kind of the power running game and that sort of spread element running backs hate running out of shotgun or, or most running backs kind of struggle to run out of shotgun because you have to stand there until you get the ball you don't get a running start at a handoff you don't get any momentum going towards the line and I think you saw that a lot from Eddie Lacy he didn't have a lot of success running out of shotgun standing behind the quarterback and taking handoffs that way it gives guys like Montgomery and Lacey and, and everybody else the Packers have used that chance to, to behave like a running back wants to behave, get going north and south and, and get a little momentum going before you run up to or run into those big guys up front. Um, how much of an advanced stats guy are you, Gary? <laughs> That's a loaded question. I think we it both is. know the answer to that. I, I like advanced stats. I think they're hard to quantify for the NFL. I don't think anybody's done them particularly well. Um, but but I'm I have an open mind, John. Persuade me. Well, I'm going to do something, break one of the rules of radio and podcasting here, and talk about something that you and I have talked about off air. Uh, so the last couple of weeks, I've been working on on my own semi advanced stats, and and I. I am not good at math. I don't have a whole lot to offer in terms of uh, mathematical analysis. But uh, one stat that I like from the NBA is called usage rate. And it's basically a measure of how often a, one player uses an offensive possession. So basically you're seeing how often a player ends a possession for your team. It could be something like taking a shot turning the ball over, or ending up at the free throw line. So Russell Westbrook is a guy that gets talked about a lot with a high usage rate. He takes a lot of shots, he has a fair amount of turnovers, and he gets to the free throw line a lot. You can see how much of the offense ends up running through a guy by seeing how high their usage rate is. I thought you could do something pretty similar for football because you don't have as many possessions in football, but you do have a lot of plays. Uh, so you think about every play that the Packers run, someone is going to be the focus of that play, whether they're th being thrown the ball, being handed the ball, or if you're Aaron Rodgers running, scrambling, or being sacked. Uh, that's pretty much the four or five ways you can end a play. So I, over the past couple of weeks, have been charting who's been using most of the Packers' plays. 
and uh, I've come up with some interesting stuff. Um, Ty Montgomery particularly is an interesting case because at the start of the season, it was week three before he even got a play that was run for him. Uh, so he was not targeted with a pass or given a handoff until week three. This was back when Jared Aberderis was still taking a dozen snaps or so a game. Speaking of Jared Aberderis, it was just his birthday and he worked out with the New England Patriots. How's that grab you? Uh, neat. <laughs> they need a white receiver. Danny Amendola's out, so they, they tried to bring in Jared Aberderis. But uh, these last couple weeks, to get back on topic, Ty Montgomery has played nearly every offensive snap and become a much bigger part of the offense. Exactly how big of a part? Well, last week, or this past week, against Chicago, Ty Montgomery was the focus of 31% of the Packers' offensive plays. Uh, he got 16 rushes and three targets in the passing game. Uh, if you adjust it to just see how much he got the ball when he was on the field, it goes all the way up to 37.25%. The Packers do better when they build a lot of their offense around Ty Montgomery, and to a lesser extent, guys like Randall Cobb. You go all the way back to the first time they played the Chicago Bears, way back in week, uh, what was that, week seven? Yep, week seven. Uh, Montgomery had 22, I guess, plays where he was the focus, and Cobb had 20. Uh, Montgomery took nine rushes, Cobb took five, and Montgomery was the target of 13 passes, and Cobb the target of 15. I think to sum it all up, this this goes to diversity for the Packers. Uh, when the Packers don't do well, they're trying to be very methodical, very unvaried in their offensive approach. They go three three receivers, one tight end, and one back, and pretty much try to see what happens. When you have to get creative, when McCarthy is forced to get creative, that's when things go the best for the Packers, and I think that's what Montgomery does the best. Because he's so versatile, Mar McCarthy can be creative and still stick to the things that he likes to do. There's my thesis. What do you think? Hmm. Uh, now, I, 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 this is a bit of a loaded deck, but Le'Veon Bell's usage rate for Pittsburgh, a, a guy whom a lot of Packer fans have claimed to be pretty similar to Ty Montgomery, uh, wishful thinking or not, his usage rate is about 50% from um when when we were chatting about this so he so you know if if you're trying to find some comparisons of you know the best running backs the guys that catch and run the ball uh you know about 50 percent is is the threshold there i like montgomery around 30 to 35 percent uh only because of the number of weapons that the packers have in a way i feel like jared cook has almost been a an afterthought in the offense Jordy Nelson certainly has earned every target that comes his way, and Devontae Adams' touchdown drops or not uh, has, has had a really nice year. Uh, now, whether whether that you know those those passes and those plays have to come from someone, and uh, you know Montgomery needs his touches, but but so does the rest of the offense. And I don't think it's ever going to be an issue of somebody like needing touches. That's that's one of the issues I've had with the the case laid out by pro football focus that Ty Montgomery needs to be getting more and more touches I really don't think that's how football works I I think you have to well an expression that a coach that I had you or 
a coach that I had used the expression that you scratch where it itches, meaning if something is working for you, something that makes your offense move along, you keep doing more of that. Montgomery, yeah, he's been really successful, but were it not for two drops, Devontae Adams would have scored two touchdowns on Sunday. Then would you be saying they need to throw to Devontae Adams more? I'm not really sure. Results or not, uh, I, I think there is something to be said for the, the dreaded B word of balance. Um, not balance for the sake of balance, but balance in that you don't ever allow the defense to just take away one thing and kill your offense. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Jared Cook. You mentioned that. Um, uh, do you think he sh- he could be a bigger part of the offense? Maybe it's just because of his absence in the middle of the year, but Cook Cook's one of those guys that uh, I I like the way he I like the way he runs. I like his route running abilities, and as a target across the middle, Cook has been one of those guys who Rogers has has gone to early and often, especially last week. I really liked what I saw for him last week. I think it adds a different dimension. He's just got a different body type and requires a different kind of of defender to cover him. And it was, if you're a Packers fan, I imagine what you want to do is get the most, you know, the most unique balance of of skill position players out there, right? Cook's a guy that can line up as a wide receiver. He can line up as a tight end. Uh, you know, Jordy Nelson is a bit of a lankier guy. Devonte Adams more. You know your your cookie cutter wide receiver type, um, Cobb's your your you know kind of shifty slot guy. Uh, I just like I like the balance of of all of those. And if I had to pick my best, you know five position skill position players, Cook's definitely in that five. I think he's in my five for sure. So speaking about that diversity, the big question I think about Montgomery is what do you do with him going forward? Eddie Lacy is a free agent after this season, and and so is Christian Michael. I think James Starks is going to be looking for gainful employment elsewhere. With the way he played this season, it's probably going to be outside the NFL. Um, I mean, he's been a fine player since 2010, but it's 2016 now, and he's looking at the wrong side of 30. Um, Do you like a backfield built around Ty Montgomery as, hey, this is Ty, he's going to be the guy who's taking 15 to 20 rushes a game? Or would you rather see the Packers have him be part of say a committee type approach uh well that's that's a tough one i I think that surveying the first of all montgomery himself and his abilities he certainly has seemed uh, able to to carry the ball 10 15 times a game we haven't seen you know that heavy workload of of 20 plus yet i'm sure at some point between now and the end of the season we might see that uh, second, you've got your options of Michael and Lacey uh, in free agency. I think that both of those are, are tough calls. Lacey has, has certainly been a productive player for the Packers in his, in his four years here. Uh, Michael has, has had his moments, and I think last, that, that run last week shows why you'd want to maybe keep him around. And then additionally, there are a number of really intriguing running back and uh, prospects in the NFL draft this year. So uh, I don't think you necessarily have to say or want to build your entire running game around Montgomery only because of his ability in the passing game. I'd like to see the Packers bring in another guy or even two um, to to complement him in a committee form. 
I would agree. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Packers handle this situation, both from a personnel standpoint and from a, a sort of scheme standpoint. One of the things, and I think a, a lot of people have a lot of minor gripes with Mike McCarthy, but one of mine is that he tends to just like to stick with one running back uh, from drive to drive. You'll have one guy get an entire drive. I don't know if that's for rhythm purposes or for substitution. He almost does that with the whole personnel group, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he'll he'll put one personnel group out there and hope they just stick for a whole drive. And I think when they've done well, they've been changing things up. I don't know if Montgomery is that kind of guy. I don't don't know if you want to be. I think the Packers, when they're best as an offense, are are substituting and and making things happen by creating those matchups. And like you, I think there are a lot of intriguing running back prospects out there as well. I think it's actually a lot like the year that Eddie Lacy was drafted. There were a lot of phenomenal running backs in that draft. Le'Veon Bell was one. Uh, obviously, Christian Michael, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal physical specimen. Monte Ball was in that draft, uh, for whatever that's worth. Uh, but... <laughs> the, I mean, uh, he ended up not being any good, but he was a, a great prospect. This year could be a lot the same, and I think there could be somebody out there who compliments uh, Ty Montgomery Montgomery pretty well. Um, so moving ahead, when you look at this week's matchup with the Minnesota Vikings, what do you see both in terms of Montgomery and the Packers as a whole? Uh, I, I see nothing but touchdowns and nothing but victories in our way. Uh, I think both John and I can I'll speak for you that we uh, having spent some of our lives in Minnesota do not to have any kind of ties to the to the purple and yellow. Uh, I think the the most number of points you can score in a game of Madden is 255 before the game glitches out on you. And I think that's probably where the Packers are going to end up this week. Uh, maybe a little lower than that, but uh, I'll say like 230 to zero. I think I'm pretty comfortable with that prediction as well. Uh, no one has ever scored over 100 points in an NFL game, so I would love to see it happen this weekend. And if you know, if Aaron Rodgers could get all the way to first place by himself in terms of touchdown passes in a single game, I think that'd be great. Um, all seriousness, I want the Packers to beat the Vikings really 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 badly uh like gary said we have some connections to the state of minnesota fine state terrible football team they should burn the stadium down and salt the earth and never rebuild it's just move them to los angeles or someplace else i do not like the minnesota vikings one bit the chicago bears i can muster up some grudging respect for the minnesota vikings no i would like to see them dismantled thoroughly if you had to pick one player who needs to have a big game other than Ty Montgomery this weekend, Gary, who you got? Uh, if Nick Perry returns, I think it's Perry. Uh, if if Perry's out, uh, give me a little Randall Cobb. I would have picked Perry as my first choice as well. And failing Perry, if he can't go this weekend, and even if he can go at the club, I would like to see a big game from Julius Peppers. Uh, two years ago, he had that interception return for a touchdown against the Minnesota Vikings. Let's see him do it again. Man, that was glorious, wasn't it? I was there, and it was outstanding. He outran both Jarek McKinnon and Cordero Patterson on that play. That's just insane that Julius Peppers could do that. <laughs> he huh. is one of a kind. Warm memories. Uh, if you ever want to do something fun, look up Go to profootballreference.com 
and do their player search thing and look at the other players that he compares to in terms of like numbers of interceptions or return touchdowns or things like that. It's basically Julius Peppers and then a whole bunch of defensive backs. It's kind of hilarious, actually. He is he really is one of a kind. I'm just so happy that he got to spend even a couple years at the end of his career with the Packers. It's and that uh, they went well. They went well. Right. Right. It's 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 gonna be really fun when he goes into Canton, um, to, to, to know that we were a little part of his story. Yeah, and not only has it gone well, like every year of his contract has been like worthwhile. I think even this year he's getting paid something like eight million dollars and I think he's been worth worth it. Worth what he's been paid. Absolutely. All right, Gary, I think that's gonna about do it for this week's edition. Uh where can the good people find us? Well, you can find us a couple of different ways. I'm going to spell them out for you. If you're a Facebooker or a tweeter, you can navigate to your search bar and search at the power sweep. That's one word, the power sweep. If you're more of a worldwide web person, you can navigate your browser to www.thepowersweep.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list. You'll only get a notification whenever we post a new post. We don't spam you. And additionally, if you'd like to send us a good old-fashioned electronic mail, you can address that mail to thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. I know John and I would love to hear from you. Any feedback helps us make Blue 58 and the Power Sweep better and helps make all of us better Packer fans. Absolutely, and being a better Packer fan is what it's all about. We'll see you this weekend as the Packers take on the Minnesota Vikings, that rare Saturday evening kickoff. Looking forward to that Saturday game. For Gary Zillavy, I'm John Mirnick. We'll see you next week here on Blue 58.